Hey guys, welcome back. It's Chris Bercher. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, and this is episode 67, Authenticity. Now, it occurred to me that it may help with some of these, especially the single word episodes like this, to define the term as far as um, the status quo meaning of what we're talking about. Because like I said before, a dictionary is uh, a book of what we think words mean. So what do we think authenticity means? When we hear authenticity, what do, what do we think? Well, the first thing I think, before I even get to the definition, is a whole bunch of self-help, personal growth, guru, mumbo-jumbo about living your truth and being your authentic self and, 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 and how this idea is sort of so worn out in our consciousness. If you follow any of this stuff, you see authenticity sort of overused to the point where it starts to lose its meaning. But... Um, you know, which is a good indication that we need to revisit it and go, okay, what exactly is going on here? Uh, so I think it's worth taking some time to talk about being authentic. And uh, the dictionary definition is funny, you know, because usually it's it's it uses other terms that need to be defined to define it, but it's tr- being uh, in, in in with respect to one's uh, self, right, or personality ourselves, our, our psych, psychology, our mind. It's being true to one's own personality or character. Character, personality, you know, what are these things? I mean, basically, they're unique to individuals, so they're us. So, I mean, being true to yourself is another way of saying that. Or what Paul Godola has defined as integrity. You know, the agreement between... Our, our intentions and our meaning and the way we act in the world, right? So authenticity has something to do with the congruence, is another word that people use all the time, of, of what our intent is and what our wishes are and how we want to be and how we actually behave. And if, <laughs> damned if this doesn't sound a lot like the R versus should problem. So one could say, in the context of the are versus should problem, the person that you are, and then the person that you feel like you should be, any disagreement between those two could be interpreted as, as being inauthentic, right? If we do not live in our are, and we do not behave in the world the way that you know, our, our bodies and our hearts and our minds you know, together want to act, whether that's good or bad, if we, if we, if we change and alter that behavior because of some fears of how we're going to be perceived or the risk of consequences or whatever it is, you know, or the shoulds that we've learned growing up that we're supposed to act a certain way and we don't, well, that's inauthentic. And so following that logic, if we allow any of the shoulds to be a part of our lives, then we're being inauthentic, right? And if we are only, if we are totally living in our R and living, following our heart and our gut and our minds and those other personal subjective things, then we're, that's the only way we can possibly be authentic. Now, I'm not going to go so far as to say that that's the case. Like many things, I don't think we have to look like Brad Pitt, Lou Ferrigno, uh, <laughs> any of those really good-looking, well-built people in the world. We don't have to look perfect. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to achieve 100% R. It's the intent of going there. We're going to screw up. We're human. We know... We are flawed, we are going to make mistakes, and we can't be perfect, and we don't want to put the pressure on us to be perfect, because that's a, a bad way to live, right? Perfectionism is, is overrated, to say the least. So, uh, I don't think 
if you allow some of the shoulds to enter your life, because we all do, then you're being inauthentic. I think it is authentic and a normal part of being human to be influenced by the people around you and the world around you and cultural norms. And sometimes we do things that we may not, you know, really want to do, but we think it's going to be better. or We think it's going to, it's kind of like the idea of white lies, right? I mean, when I grew up, you know, I would catch my mom, you know, in a, in a lie, you know, telling me something like, you know, and it was usually to blow somebody off. Like she didn't want to deal with a neighbor. And so I would answer the door and tell them they're sleeping or whatever it is. And she would say, well, that's not really a lie. That's just a white lie. It's a lie that doesn't hurt anybody. And so, um, you know, and I got into a big argument with my ex-wife about this too, where she would not tell her grandmother that she was going certain places. And it probably didn't really matter. Her grandmother didn't want her to travel, didn't want her to fly, didn't want her to go to crowded events because she was scared. And so she would lie to her grandmother and say she was doing something else to protect her grandmother from being scared for her. And she wasn't, right? So it's kind of that weird, you know, if you're lying to protect somebody or if you're lying... Uh, and it doesn't really hurt anybody. Is it still a lie? Well, you damn right, it's still a lie, right? It's 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 the same same thing with um, authenticity. If you know that you're doing something against your better judgment or your feelings or your wishes or you, what you feel compelled to do, if you're not following that and you know it, it's kind of like a lie. Now, chances are you're not like well. My boss said I should kill this guy, uh, and I don't feel like it's the right thing to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, that we're not talking about things that have <laughs> dramatic repercussions all the time. It's more like, you know, I, I know that I'm trying to watch my weight, but that bag of Doritos looks really good, and, and I know I should have an apple, but I'm, I'm, I'm just going to cave. And that may be one of those situations where, it's going to vary in intensity and severity depending on your goals and who you are and, and all those other things. To one person, that could be a major, uh, in, majorly inauthentic move. And for other things, it might just be a minor thing. And so I, just like being inauthentic and letting the shoulds enter our lives from time to time because we're human, we also are going to tell white lies because we're human. I just had to deal with kind of a sketchy tenant who hasn't paid the rent yet. And rather than come up front like a hard ass and sort of be like, you are going to be evicted tomorrow. You know, I know the guy's got the money. He's just so scatterbrained and haphazard. He doesn't, hasn't made it a priority to pay his rent. So rather than go about it and be a hard ass, I'm going to kind of him and haw around him and convince him rather that he needs to make this a priority in his life. Or there's going to be consequences and trouble. And so a lot of that is inauthentic and white lies, right? Because I know what the eviction process is like. As long as he wants to pay his rent, he can him and haw all he wants for 30 days by the time the law actually gets there to remove him from the print. If he pays or makes an effort to pay, all that eviction stuff goes out the window and I don't have any power anymore. He doesn't know that. but And I'm not going to tell him that. But the reality of it is, given what I assume to be the nature of this dude, just being a sort of space cadet, um, he wants to pay his rent and he has the money. He just can't get it all together to do it at the right time. Um, that's not a scenario that favors an eviction. <laughs> I'm probably not going to win that battle. And so I've got to make some threats that might not be real. And, and, and I'm not going to come right up and sort of be 
the are and the should and just sort of sit them down and say, this is what's, you know, whatever. I'm dealing with it the way that I'm dealing with it. But one could argue that it's both antithetic and sort of riddled with white lies. It's, you know, is that wrong? I don't know. One day will I improve on my ability to deal with conflict? I don't, I don't know. But in this case, I, th- I think it's going to work out. Um, I'll keep you, you know, if something goes south, I'll keep you posted for sure. But so this accountability thing is important because, and, 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 and I find myself focusing on the interface of the individual and the community a lot and which one comes first. And I'm playing with an idea and I think I'm going to save it for the R versus should how to, which, which should be starting in a, you know, a handful of episodes from now, once I let this run its course, the idea that self-help, we, we focus in self-help on ourselves. We think we need to change ourselves. I'm wondering if we sort of hypothesize that, you know, what if helping the community or sort of reaching outside of ourselves is actually a necessary component to self-help? And I think a lot of people would, would, would agree that that is actually a thing. Um, you know, you help other people, helps yourself or whatever. And so accountability or authenticity is a good model for that because we have to be authentic with there's there's authenticity with ourselves and there's authenticity with other people. And what I've talked about so far with white lies and sort of, um, you know, wearing a mask and being a certain person and sort of acting a certain way to avoid conflict or whatever that it is that we do is inauthentic with other people. But we're, when we're inauthentic and that's fine because sometimes we know that we're doing it and we do it anyway because we know it's a means to some end whether that be reduce our anxiety reduce our conflict get get on with our day you know um but when we're inauthentic with ourselves there's no who's who's going to call you out on that if we're unaware of our inauth- inauthenticity <laughs> that we're not being authentic there can be a problem because then we build habits in sort of that vacuum of accountability, right? Which is, interestingly enough, going to be next week's topic. Um, I think so. Yeah. And I think, just like I'd use the example of a comfort zone, we know where the boundary of our comfort zone is because we start to get uncomfortable. When we approach the edge of our comfort zone, we notice a, 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 a physiological reaction. We get nervous. Our heart rate might increase. We might start sweating. We, get, we, we start to fear going into new territory, right? And you can teach yourself to recognize this. And in fact, we, we all do it, and we can see it in other people. Sometimes we can't see it in ourselves. It's the same thing with authenticity. I think there is a natural propensity for us to sort of, you know, kind of grimace when we find ourselves being inauthentic, when we find ourselves telling a white lie, when we find ourselves bending the truth to sort of avoid a conflict or get out of something or, you know, to, to not admit that, you know, we overslept and that's why we're late for work. Uh, we know there, there's a, there are cues. And, and if we're not completely aware of these cues, we certainly can train ourselves to be aware of these cues. And I think this will be more in the how-to section of the R versus should problem, those episodes, that series of episodes. But we can sort of, the better connected we are with our values and the more introspective we are about our behaviors in the world, the more obvious these changes 
can be. And so that's why it's important to establish a good routine baseline of knowing yourself, know thyself, because then you can see how obvious it is when you're deviating from something. If you know that you value, you know, family togetherness, but you find yourself telling your spouse that you have to work late when you don't really, and you're really going to sneak out to the bar and have a beer, you, by valuing the family time together, a priori, now you, you're accountable, right? Now you can't deny the fact that you said this thing and now you're doing this thing and that is a disagreement, right? If you hadn't held yourself accountable and, and, and stated your values of wanting to spend time with your family ahead of time, eh, no harm, no foul. This is just a thing. And I think uh, uh, for lack of any immediate other examples, I'll use myself as an example. And I've told this story before, but my sort of responsibility in my divorce. So I got, you know, I got divorced. My wife uh, found another man and we got divorced and they're still married, which is, which is great. Sometimes infidelity results in a positive change. And it probably was very positive for both of us. The way it went down, not so positive, but uh, in the end, it was the right thing. And in my taste, so, so that, that began my healing process. So after that, I went through about eight or nine years of cognitive behavioral therapy and then discovered EMDR and now the somatic healing sort of internal family systems approach, uh, the, the body awareness. Um, but at the beginning of my healing, the one of the first things I had to do, was instructed to do, was sort of own my contribution to the divorce. It's so easy in infidelity to sort of say, well, it's all their fault, right? But in this case, I wanted to figure out what role I played. And at the end of all of that analysis, and I, I, I believe this is true, my decision to quit my job and be a stay-at-home dad created a, a, a massive rift of authenticity for me because I sort of volunteered to give up the part of my authentic identity that was a science, smart, analytical, intelligent research person, teacher, because, you know, a lot of my, my identity was tied up in my job. And I was going to basically swap that and become an equivalent parent. And, you know, my heart was never really in either one of those things. But I was certainly got more out of the science part than I did the parenting part. And I thought if I just faked it till I maked it, <laughs> I could create the same sort of success and prowess as a stay-at-home parent as I did in a job. And it wasn't like that. And so for a couple of years prior to the affair and all that stuff happening, I turned into a pretty negative person. You know, I was trying so hard to create an authenticity that just wasn't there. I mean, I'm an awesome dad. I'm a good husband. But the way that I went about trying to make that happen and force it and lie my way through it and fake it and be inauthentic about the process sort of made me a miserable person to be around. I didn't understand what was going on, but I had created a scenario that I felt trapped and I felt sort of, I was tired, malnourished. I mean, it was stressful trying to raise three kids under five by myself, basically, for 10 hours a day, six days a week. And rather than ask for help or share that it was, I was struggling or any of those things because I was embarrassed and ashamed and the whole, a whole book's worth of reaction to this new role, 
but at the end of the day, it wasn't authentic. And and me and so I wasn't getting any of my needs met. I was no longer funny. I was no longer a musician. I was no longer, you know, um, you know, curious about elements of life that I could talk about and definitely entertain people. I was no longer interesting, right? And no, and no, not only was I not interesting, I was pretty cynical and pessimistic. And that's not fun to be around. And it, even though it's not an excuse, that certainly is not a recipe for a successful marriage. And so anyway, my inauthenticity led to some serious personal problems and relationship problems, right? Now, in the end, all of that was roses because it, it led me to a better place. <laughs> Both of us, really. All, all of us involved to, to better places. But that's an example. That's the one, that's the one I got. So... <clears throat> while I will say that it's... Im- this is why I think the R versus should problem is so important, because the R gives us a target. The R makes us aware that there are certain intrinsic characteristics of our personality or character, according to the definition of authenticity, that are unique to us and that need to be nurtured, right? And in not doing so, you can create problems. And so... The more we become our R, I, I honestly believe, and I haven't done the math, and there is no algorithm, I haven't te- fully tested the hypothesis, but we will live higher quality lives. If we reduce the shoulds or our behaviors that we do because we think we're supposed to, so that we please other people and meet other people's needs, while that's important, and, and the compromises are certainly need to be made, and we can't just go through life completely selfish narcissists. That's not what I'm saying. But if we minimize and, th- and thoughtfully select the, how we behave with respect to shoulds um, and focus more on the ours, I honestly think, <laughs> well, I believe that will solve all of our human problems if we can do that. And so it's, a, it's an important milestone. It's important differentiation. It's an important exercise to be able to identify which one of these things is motivating you in your life in a given situation. And, and so I think being in the R is, is less cynical and pessimistic. It's more optimistic, right? It results in us getting, feeling like we have our needs met and feeling like we have purpose and meaning in all, all of the things that the self-help gurus and psychologists and neurobiologists and all, and all the, the real research will say it's beneficial to being human. All of those things are, are going to happen. And, and related to this, and I'll just give kind of a sneak peek here at the end, and I've mentioned this before, I think I have this idea floating around in my head, and I'm not sure because I sort of switch gears to the R versus should problem first, but this is related to the bully in the DNA and how the R is pretty much our, 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 our natural, subjective uniqueness driven by the idea that all biological entities are severely unique from one another forever, isolated, literally like snowflakes. We've been through this before in, in former episodes. And then I want to couch that in in saying that it is imperative to our species and our universe that we learn to embrace that uniqueness rather than should it into obscurity. Because I think that's what's happening now. More often, you know, a byproduct 
of technological um, booms, the Industrial Revolution, whatever we're in now, the computer IT, you know, AI world, the byproduct of these things is reduced humanity and the 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 the, the loss of connectivity to our spiritual um, uh, somatic sort of existence and and a, and, a, and living in the world of Wally, where we become this just analytical I mind um, thing. And so it's it's imperative that we remember that it's important to express our uniqueness in the world in order to fully exist as a biological species. And that this technological boom, which represents one small subset of what it is to be human, uh, is important and awesome, but it has to be contextualized. And so my mission <laughs> in doing all this is to remind us of this of our R and to um, plead with the, our species to remember this uniqueness imperative that our DNA through part random, but part ancestry has created you as you are today with a unique set of interests, capabilities, thoughts, meaning, values, that need to be expressed and shared with the world for us to process, right? That has to exist. If it just exists inside you and is never expressed, it's as if it never existed at all. And what would your ancestors, how would they feel if they knew that you had hidden yourself from everybody else? That is the most Shakespearean tragic thing I can think of. And so... as a part of being authentic, probably the first step is to realize your uniqueness is important to the world, and you have to share that. And, and the way you do that is through authenticity, right? And in the context of the world's bigger problems, like hunger and war and <laughs> uh, campaign... <laughs> uh, finance, you know, problems, whatever, uh, is, is this, this splitting of the self, you know, or of the denial of the part of the self that is this uniqueness thing that I'm talking about. The fear is that we're on a trajectory toward becoming all should, and that we all become Wally-like robots with all of our value systems being defined by power and money, and 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 superficial values. Those are fine, but when it becomes the entirety of our being, that is a death sentence. And I don't think it's pessimistic or cynical to say that. And I, and my motivation for this is just simply realizing that I I have become less whole, and I see it in other people. They're less whole, and I fundamentally believe. And and there's no way to really know this. The thousands of years ago, we were more whole. Yes, we had bigger problems like disease and famine and hunger. And technology has has solved a lot of problems, but it's also created more. And why would it not be like that? What is it, the monkey's paw? You know, you can't you can't have net gains continually forever. There's trade offs, and that, that maybe that's principle number one. 
Um, and so as we have made these technological advances, we have subconsciously, unawaredly, <laughs> uh, unknowingly made some compromises and sacrifices that are starting to show up. And so my role is just to remind us of this. We be more R, we be more authentic, we solve more of our problems, we reduce the shoulds, we share our uniqueness, that feeds back into making a more positive world, a more complete world, a more diverse world with more tools and capacity to respond to changing extrinsic and intrinsic individual and communal conditions in the world and prepares us for the next generation. This has been Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, Episode 67, Authenticity. I'm Chris Bircher. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you next week. Take it easy.